Hi, welcome to the podcast of The Kelly Cutrera Show for Wednesday, October the 14th. With the second wave of the pandemic upon us, our premier urged food delivery services to lower their commission yesterday. Tony Elenis from the Ontario Restaurant and Motel Association breaks down how restaurants are being affected. And the new iPhone was unveiled yesterday. Only there's something missing from the box. Adam Oldfield will give us a skinny on that. But first, according to the recent report by Royal LePage, it's a new report. The GTA home prices soared by 11 percent in the third quarter. Here to talk about it, Royal LePage president and CEO Phil Soper. Phil, welcome back to the show. It's always good to have you on. Thanks, Kelly. Okay, so was this 11 percent price in housing prices, uh, like this increase in housing prices in the GTA expected? You know, we anticipated that prices would rise uh, following the lockdown. Uh, You know, people have forgotten by now, but uh, 2018 and 19 was actually a market correction in the GTA. The remember the mortgage stress test that was implemented. Sure. Yeah, it slowed uh, price appreciation uh, to a halt and uh, transactions. A number of homes. uh, selling uh, really dropped way off. It was off uh, off by double digits. And so the market was just starting to adjust to that in the first quarter of 2020 when the, the lockdown came down. So we had two years of pent-up demand, plus the spring market uh, was shut down when we were sheltering at home. So we had the pandemic lockdown pent-up demand, and it was all unleashed in the, in the market in the the summer and into the fall. So, yeah, we predicted prices uh, to rise, just not quite at the level they are. Yeah, just put, to put in perspective, according to your uh, new report that was released this morning, the average home in the GTA is around $922,000 now. That is up 11% from the same time last year. What are you forecasting for the uh, coming quarters? So we, uh, our outlook for the GTA for the entire year. So this would look at the end of 2020 compared to the end of uh, 2019 last year is that prices will have risen by eight and a half percent. Nationally, the number is 7%. So the GTA continues to uh, outperform on the uh, national stage. Okay, but I understand we're performing pretty well in other areas outside the GTA, you know, places where... Uh, people in Toronto want to cash in on their housing price or they're worried about living so closely to other people during the pandemic or the fact that they've been able to work remotely. They're looking at cottage country. They're looking at getting out and getting into the suburbs more farther afield. What's going on in those markets? We already were seeing through the teens, uh, through call it uh, the 2015 and later time period, uh, interest in our secondary markets. So we're seeing baby boomers retiring in in large numbers. It's about 5,000 people a week across the country now. And uh, the older millennials, uh, which are a large population, they were starting to have either their first or their second child and looking for more space. So that was pre-pandemic. The pandemic rolls around and suddenly people are working from home. Suddenly people might have three people working from home, uh, a child and a two working parents, and so space became a premium. So, yes, you are seeing people moving to secondary markets. In fact, the the highest 
level of price appreciation recorded in the country during the quarter uh, was in Windsor, Ontario, at almost 20% year over year. And Windsor was a bit of a backwater as far as uh, real estate activity during much of the last 20 years, but it's really come alive in the last five. Now, I know that your expertise is in home sales, but um, the inside of the home is uh, important when you talk about the pandemic. I wonder how things are going to change, Phil. Are we going to see people, you know, starting to put up walls that they bang down during renovations in order to, you know, handle the fact that a lot of people are working remotely? You mentioned three people in some cases. We kind of need our privacy or our, you know, own special place to work in. So I wonder if we're going to see the inside layout of, of homes changing. You know what? This is this is something uh, that we're already seeing. People are featuring what they call uh, Zoom rooms uh, for, in other words, uh, someplace quiet where you can conduct a conversation like this. And for like my wife and I are working from home, we both do this all day long. I mean, we're online talking to our colleagues, uh, talking to uh, people we need to do our jobs. So, yeah, no, you're you're bang on. We're already seeing the, the pivot and uh, the renovation market in Canada, just like the the uh, housing market, the real estate sales market uh, is is very much on fire. Savings are up. Yeah. Tell me about it. More, I had yeah. to postpone my renovation because of it. Well, yeah, you know, people people aren't spending money in places they used to. So there we actually in the in the third quarter we reached a level of savings in this country. This is household savings that hasn't been seen since 1961, talking more than half a century. And that money has to go somewhere. And it appears to be going into, you know, puppies, Peloton and, and real estate, be it. Right. That's one of the things you found out in your report is people are spending on big ticket items, right? Exactly. So it's, it's a very uneven uh, recession, unfortunately for, a for a great deal because remember it wasn't an economically driven recession it was a recession driven by the the need to protect each other to stay safe so for many many people nothing has changed employment wise and for those people they spent a significant part of their income on things like entertainment be it a hockey game or a movie or travel mm-hmm. and, and a lot of that is just is just money accumulating in the bank right now, and and it's being transferred. And some of it's being transferred into real property, significant portion. So, Phil, at the end of the day, you know, you're not forecasting that this is going to last forever. You're forecasting that you know that this will you know drop a little bit. You know, an eight point five percent rise in the GTA in the fourth quarter is is what you're thinking. Uh, so, is this the time to list your house? Well. It, it's a it's a really good question. We're going to have a slower period during the winter. So starting in in November, we're actually already starting across Canada to see markets uh, slow down, normal seasonal slowdown. It will be a busier uh, market than normally it is during the uh, dark days of our of our uh, Canadian winter. So there will be more activity, and there will be more people. Listing homes and out shopping for homes in times like November and December when the market is typically uh, close to shut down. Even recreational property, lakefront property, which has become so popular 
during 2020, there will be listings and activity, uh, you know, conducted with four-wheel drives. And and uh, I don't know, I bet some of our enterprising agents will take people out on, on skidoos or something to see properties because the demand was there and there just wasn't the, the properties available for people to buy. All right, Phil, I want to thank you for your time today. Have yourself a fantastic afternoon. Thanks, and you have a great day, too. Cheers. That is Phil Soper. He is the president of Royal LePage. If each of us order takeout, even at least once a week, that's millions of dollars to support our mom-and-pop shops, restaurants, and small businesses. It can be the difference between a line cook getting a shift or not. It can make the difference between the delivery driver making rent or not. It can make the difference between a family keeping their businesses open or closing for good. Together, we can all make a huge difference. That was our Premier Doug Ford yesterday urging us to support our local restaurants and delivery services by ordering out at least once a week. In fact, after that announcement was made, someone um, emailed me about the fact that he had asked Uber to maybe cut back on their commissions. Here's what the uh, the premier said on that. And I have a message for the big third-party food delivery services like Uber Eats. It's time for you to do your part. We need you to help out these mom and pop shops right now. Please consider reducing the commission rates you charge the restaurants impacted by these new health measures. We can't have restaurants paying as much as 30% commission to have their food delivered right now. And I'm told that in some cases, that's on top of the service fees and delivery fees paid by consumers. And I understand that some of the companies are already reducing the commissions they charge the restaurants, so I thank you for that. So please do the right thing in these difficult times. Yeah, that's that's uh, Doug Ford asking us to do the right things in difficult times. Um, which is, of course, uh, during COVID. It's unprecedented times. I'm just looking for this email, and I probably won't find it. Um, But it is regarding that announcement by Doug Ford. Shortly after that press conference, Chris, I got an email from a listener who said, that's great that Doug Ford's asking us all to do our part and order out, you know, like once a week. Um, But how about he tells uh, public servants to do that? not the rest of us, like the ones that actually have never seen a cut in their pay at all because I don't have a job. And he didn't like the fact that they were going after uh, Uber Eats because he's like, no, just tell your public workers what to do. Don't tell tell private citizens what to do. I I can see how you'd be irritated by that. And I mean, there are a lot of people that uh, think I come down on on public workers, public servants, you know, uh, in, in a way that might be harsher than than some. And I, I guess the reason is, is look, if you've got it good, better than most people, shh, just a little bit. Because it's like rubbing it in for some people, you know? Um, so uh, Doug Ford is urging food delivery companies to slash their commission. We wanted to reach out to Tony Ellenis, who's president of the Ontario Restaurant Hotel and Motel Association, uh, to have his comment on the show. Welcome to the program, Tony. Good to have you on. Hopefully I did not butcher your last name because this is the first time we've met. Good morning and great to be on your show. All right. So yesterday, the premier urged food delivery companies to slash their commission rates for restaurants. Now, this isn't a new story to us. You know, uh, the restaurateur that owns Il Fornello had um, 
earlier on in the summer on Takeout Wednesday said, yeah, urged people not to use Uber Eats um, and taken his his restaurant off Uber Eats because the commission was so high. So we've heard this before with regard to Uber Eats, but let's talk about how high the commissions are. Is it 30% across the board no matter which delivery service you use or can you break them down for us? Well, the, the, the fees range anywhere from 10% all the way up to 30%. In some cases, over time, I've heard even over 30%. And there's a, a complex uh, fee structure that is very tough to determine from a consumer's point of view. Uh, but yes, they're all the way up to 30%, which is totally unreal in, in, in this crisis we're, we're in. When you say they're at 30%, sometimes higher than 30%, is that because of surge pricing? You know, when there's a lot of people ordering in a specific time, sometimes the commission can be increased? Well, that's the issue. Uh, irrelevant of volumes, irrelevant of who you are, uh, the, the, the commissions, especially for independent small business, are at 30%, whether you have one delivery or 100 deliveries. And, and, and there is no... Uh, course of calculating based on volume whatsoever. Uh, Uber Eats is the one that um, Ford centered out yesterday in his announcement, but he said that I understand that some of the companies are reducing their commissions they charge. Tony, do you have any idea of, of who's reducing the commissions that they're charging? Yeah, I've seen correspondence from Skip the Dishes that they're actually rebating the 25% commission during this lockdown in the uh, Toronto and Peel uh, regions, uh, great gesture. This is what the industry needs to see. The industry is devastated. And, and this is a chronic issue that, that was there even before the pandemic. Uh, high commissions, you know, in a concept that the revenue is generated for those that are penalized. Uh, but when the crisis came in, you know, the, the industry is hanging at the tip of an iceberg. They're, they're ready to close down. And you would think not only the ethical thing to do is, is to reduce prices, but even from a business view, you really want to hold on to your customer, in this case, yeah. the restaurant, to make sure they're successful so they can be there to continually generate revenue for you when the pandemic is over. Sure. You would think they'd have to have a symbiotic relationship. Like what can exist? One can't exist without the other. So um, I want to ask you if you could clarify something for me. Uh, I was reading in a story that some like food delivery service, like DoorDash announced this week that they would waive delivery fees in Toronto, Mississauga and Ottawa starting October the 10th till uh, November the 6th. Presumably that's because of the 28 day limitation on uh, not being able to dine indoors in these hotspots. Um, they didn't say they would reduce commission rates. What exactly is the difference between a commission rate and a delivery fee? Well, again, this is back to that complex structure and, you know, credit card merchant rates are the same way. There's so many, fees and, and rates pushed into one calculation that is very hard to determine. But it's the commission that really adds up. And really, it's the commission that the industry needs to be reduced. Uh, yes, and, and I do not know all the providers that have reduced the rates, but I have not heard of Uber, which was uh, uh, really talked about by uh, Premier Ford reducing any rates uh, during this COVID-19, even during this recent lockdown. Okay, when you talk to other restaurateurs, people in the business, uh, when um, a company takes, a delivery company takes 30% commission, 
have you heard in some cases that they're making no money on deliveries or um, what's the what's the uh, minimal amount that they're making? Can you give us just an example of a story where? Well, I, I can I can tell you, first of all, from the industry's view, it's a razor thin margin industry. Some of this independent perhaps generate one percent tax profit. That's good in the good old days. Now they're just hanging on with debt being building up from loans and deferrals. The, the providers themselves, they, they have business models, and they're thriving behind that business model. And, and I'm not uh, sort of a, a test to the, the type of profits they're, they're making, but statistics show, U.S. and Canada, that it is a sustainable industry for those that are doing well. Uber Eats has about 80% of the, of the market out there. That's a lot of volume to, to generate profit. Tony, what are you recommending? I mean, at the end of the day, uh, these restaurants in Toronto, in Ottawa, in Peel, they can only um, get business by takeout or if they have an outdoor patio for the next 28 days. So are you recommending that people get around these um, commission fees that that delivery services are charging by picking up themselves? What what do your members want? Well, first of all, many restaurants have... um try to adjust and bring their own apps and their own delivery service. And my suggestion is to go directly through the restaurant, period. Every time the restaurant increases pricing in order to compensate and mitigate the high commissions, that penalizes the consumer because they pay higher prices. But the delivery provider also makes money on it because it's a formula that uh, the commission is calculated from the total price period. <laughs> right. So it's not, it's the price of up. your bill. They're making it's every sort time. of like how you, you figure out how much you're tipping your waiter. Exactly. And, and, and we applaud Premier Ford's call and, and we appreciate, uh, you know, his, uh, his messages this week. Uh, but a permanent solution is required. No, no doubt about it. And, 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 and okay, like what are you messages. thinking? Well, legislation being brought in? Well, we, we as an organization are, are working uh, overtime right now to try to build a solution that would be less than 10%. And I know we can do it. Mm. You know, so we, you're, we you're the, the association right now, if I can get this right, Tony, you're considering building your own app, delivery app. We, we are working with a partner um, because of feedback from the industry to come and make sure that we reduce the rates. And we'll probably... Uh, estimating to have a model ready by the end of the year at less than 10% uh, commission. And if we can do it, why can't the big players do it? Doesn't that make sense? Back to your question about how much profit they make. I want to thank you for your time today, Tony, and keep us informed on what's going on with that app. We'd really like to find out as soon as you get it up and running. Thank you, Kelly. And great to be on your show. Thank you. Have a great day, Tony. All right. Thank you very much to uh, Tony Lennis, who is the president of the Ontario Restaurant and Hotel and Motel Association. I don't know about you, Chris, but I'm feeling awful guilty that I have not ordered uh, takeout from my local restaurant in two weeks. I've just been, uh, hey, I'm still honestly still dealing with the bounty that my pandemic garden has given me, and I don't want to waste any of it, but I'm going to have to Tick it up to a couple times a week as we move into the uh, fall and winter season when my when I'm done with my bounty from the pandemic garden. 
Normally, it is really big news when Apple makes an announcement about their new products. And yesterday, they launched four new iPhones. Uh, iPhones are the bulk of their business. Nobody's really talking about the actual phone. They're talking about what's missing from the phone today, uh, specifically the charger and earbuds not in the package with the new iPhone 12. Let's talk with Adam Oldfield who, of course, is our technological expert here at uh, 640 Toronto. Adam, welcome to the show. Good to have you on. Thanks for having me, Kelly. So the Apple 12, I mean, the big announcement that that Apple was hoping to lean on is the fact that these are 5G wireless-ready uh, phones, right? It is. It was probably as exciting as watching grass grow and paint dry yesterday. I think there was a lot more expectation out of the event, and even from my end, I was... I mean, 5G almost sounds like it needs to be included, not it was a fanfare moment. And the fact that they now come with royal blue doesn't necessarily make me go, wow, that's kind of amazing in any perspective or any way. I mean, most of us are going to get a cover for it. Um, The biggest, I guess, fanfare on this new iPhone is the glass. And I'm thinking, well, great. Um, So when I drop it four times more, it's going to be protected. But yeah, as you started... One of the things that was missing was, you know, not only what wasn't in the box that comes with it, and I can easily speak to that right now, is the fact that they need to compete with their competition, primarily against Samsung. Samsung's coming out with a with a model, which we've seen with the fold uh, folding two, and we we have the Note twenty. I mean, these are twenty five hundred to three thousand dollar phones. Apple needs to compete. They got to continue to be aggressive in their price points to be able to aggressively compete with that competition. And uh, and there's lots of them. Google, I'm, I'm just singling out Samsung here. Uh, the other element that I was surprised, and I was really thinking it was going to come, was the folding phone. I really thought they were going to make an announcement. There was rumors of it, a little bit of hum and buzz, but there was nothing with a folding phone. Everybody wants the phablet. And I, w- I thought Apple would have been using this moment of, uh, ta-da, here's Apple, and you didn't see it coming. Here it is, and it didn't happen. Wait a minute. I'm feeling old all of a sudden. Either I misheard you or I'm out of the loop here, which really upsets me. Phablet? <laughs> Phablet. Phone. Tablet. You know, it's the it's the new, uh, well, I guess the old new uh, element of uh, having a phone that folds open into a fully working tablet. So... Uh, not to make you old, it's right. kind of a trending things in the in the future. But the point was is that Samsung and Huawei, which isn't really av- uh, available, uh, have really been putting their efforts behind this with the folding glass, and they they again leaked ahead of Apple. Uh, and I honestly, I thought with this announcement, they were talking about new glass, a new feature. It's going to be durable. Uh, I I don't know. I think. Uh, I think I just kind of stood there looking, blinking at the end of it going, wait, is there more? Is it like the end of an Avengers movie? Is there going to be like a, oh, wait, we forgot to tell you. No, there was nothing that really let it. We found the earbuds. We found the charging cord. Hang on. We'll put it in the box. By the way, the reason why they're not including the earbuds or the uh, charging cord, they say it's on environmental grounds. Can you elaborate on that ridiculous way to spin why iPhone wants to make us pay separately for these items? 
Well, I think part of it is their mandate to be more economical uh, or economical in regards to standing their their grounds as principles as an environmental developing uh, technological company. Uh, a lot of the products, and right now, just so you know, Kelly, there's a big lawsuit right now in Canada, and I'm not sure if you heard about it, but they're actually going after recycling companies that are supposed to be taking refurbished or uh, damaged iPhones and iPads, um, and they were supposed to dismantle them, properly recycle them. Uh, uh, this is a massive issue right now in Apple's forefront in regards to what kind of scrutiny they're under. Are they really filling landfills with electronic parts? And as we know, new devices come out every eight months, uh, and Apple's trying to be their, lower their carbon footprint in respect to that. So, yes, I know the reason sounds very much the politically correct. We're helping the environment, removing from the landfill. However, you do have the rights to be able to purchase it at your will, but we're not going to put it with every device. Makes sense. However, uh, they probably were able to knock off $150 to $300 off that price if it came in the package. Really? Do you think we got a deal on the price? Because what is the price of the Apple iPhone, the 12? Uh, the 12, as is, is going to be $1,000 Canadian. And if you get the uh, the 12 plus max, it's going to be about $1,500. See, I think Apple's just it, turning other people to to just other cords. Charging cords, because uh, I know a lot of people have different charging cords. You know, the Apple cord breaks, they buy a cheaper one, another one from another company. Some people are using other earbuds. I mean, I just, to me, it feels like a drop, a ball drop. But let's talk about the glass, because you brought it up several times, and I haven't heard about the glass, so do tell. Uh, Ceramic Shield is their proprietary corning glass, and it's built by the same group of, of Gorillic glasses, what most uh, premium phones are coming with. So Samsung, Pixel, all of them come with the light-touch OLED Gorilla Glass. It's a, it's a very durable, scratch-resistant. Uh, it's sealed, so you've got that kind of water protection, dust protection. However, Apple made that a little bit more of a fanfare. On top of, uh, you know, it's faster, it's lighter, it's thinner. Uh, their glass was the biggest thing that I saw, or at least came to me as far as importance. And the key thing here is they've been really struggling with a real good quality uh, when it comes to visual display. So the OLED, which makes black blacker, not like shades of black or uh, like grays or otherwise, the resolutions have been improved. The key thing with the ceramic shield that they've announced is proprietary to them is that, yes, if you drop it, they say it's four times durable, uh, that it won't crack or scratch for that matter. Now, whether it does or it doesn't, I'll have to take their word for it because Apple will probably not want to launch something they're going to get a lot of feedback or pushback on. However, a lot of people still deal with cracked screens, and we know that when you bring an Apple in, it's not cheap to replace. I have two devices with cracked screens right now that happen to be Apple devices. And you know what I use? Tape. I'm, it's... <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I told That's you I'm frugal as a hop. <laughs> I use well, tape. This... Well, it works. It, you know what? Don't knock it. It absolutely works. If it holds it together and, and, and pieces it, yeah, absolutely. But this is going to maybe encourage you, Kelly, to say maybe I do want a, st- a, a stronger glass on my phone. That's what the one thing they were looking I was looking for it to fold. I wasn't really worried about it being durable, uh, but it not folding just says to me, wow, Apple, you're taking another year to figure it out. Took them two years to get 5G in there. Adam, you got into the minutia of the color of black on on the phone and just the lighting, the ability uh, to enhance the shades of black. Is that, you know, in a relatable way for the audience listening? Because people are like, I'm probably thinking, why do I care about that? Is that for viewing movies and things like that? 
Yeah, it's uh, it's 4K. So as we know, a lot of film videos or otherwise are running at 60 frames per second. Uh, if you're watching a movie very similar to high, you know, high definition Blu-ray, um, having that quality, you may, you know, many on older televisions may have noticed that it's kind of a bit of a blurry part in the dark movies. You're watching Batman, you're kind of like, wait a minute, where's the shade? Where's the shadow? Hold on, where where is he? Uh, that becomes very crisp. So if you're okay. into using it, it's going to become very clear. Okay, so it's it's sort of like the opposite of watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, on your old TV. I get it. I don't know if anybody's planning on watching that for Halloween, but it's all done in the dark. It's pretty much just all in the dark. Just a heads up for any viewers uh, during this season of Horror Flicks. All right, well, Adam, I appreciate your time today. Thanks so much for that. Um, so the I guess the the Apple iPhone 12 is a bit of a... A letdown then at the end of the day. You know what? It, it's it's a letdown from a, what it could have been. Uh, I don't think it's a disappointment completely because people have been waiting for 5G. It's coming out. It's available. And the fact that Apple now has a, a product on the market to do that, I would say if someone was saying to me, should I upgrade my phone? Uh, I would say wait for the 12, October 23rd, I think it actually gets shipped. So if you've got the resources and the revenue available to invest in it, then I would say maybe you want to do it. I would wait one more year. I would actually say if there is an iPhone 13, I would maybe mm-hmm. wait a year, see what kind of other elements that are more advantageous to use. Because honestly, getting a uh, an iPhone 11 will probably be able to be more than sufficient for the next two years for you. Yeah. And Adam, at the end of the day, um, we're, we don't even have a lot of apps that operate in 5G. So what's the point? Well, I think a lot of it is I, I've been using 5G with my, you know, I have a Samsung. And when I was using it, it's actually amazing. However, it drops out real quick. There's not a lot of areas for signal to allow it to work at that full capacity. So, but when it does work, it's amazing, really well. I mean, it's super fast. So it's, uh, it's, it's something which isn't abundantly available for everyone. So, again, buying it and going, yeah, I got 5G. The networks aren't available yet everywhere in Canada to allow us to take full advantage of it. Appreciate your time, Adam. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Kelly. Have a great day. Hey, thanks for tuning into the podcast. Always great to have you along. Don't forget, we broadcast three hours daily between 9 and noon on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. If you can spare some time, please do. Otherwise, don't forget to tell your friends we're podcasting every day after the show. We upload some of our favorite moments from the program. Have a great day. Cheers.